Hey guys, welcome to Kingdom Minds, the podcast where we talk about Kingdom Hearts and the Kingdom of God. I'm David. I'm Karis. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. So, Karis, you had some uh, news items to talk about. Yes. Well, um, first, I'm going to mention that last week I was on my friend Ryan's podcast, which is called Scripture Read Badly. And it was an episode where we were talking about proverbs from the Bible. And it was really hilarious. And I totally think that you should listen to it. So I'm going to leave the link in the show notes. Um, It was really good. Uh, So, yeah, there's that. Also, the elephant in the room, I'm not going to go into it. But uh, but yeah, our countries are now on lockdown, so that's immediately going to date this podcast. However, in the last episode, do you remember, David, you said something like, I don't think myself or Karis plan on beating the data battles anytime soon. And then I said something like, if I had all the time in the world to grind, yeah. I totally would, but I don't. Well, guess what? Yeah. Now I have all the time in the world. So um, I reckon I will get around to doing those at some point, but I haven't yet. So, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I think since last time I actually did manage to beat most of the data battles, I think I'm still uh, stuck on uh, Xemnas and Luxord. My Luxord is so annoying, um, but yeah, that, that's where I'm at now. <laughs> Amazing, yeah, so we're gonna go in and talk a little bit about the news. So Last week, or no, I think it was a couple weeks ago, the Kingdom Hearts All-in-One package was released. So it was basically Kingdom Hearts, the story so far, which includes every single game apart from the mobile game, Union Cross, um, from Kingdom Hearts 1 all the way up to just before Kingdom Hearts 3. And then also Kingdom Hearts 3 is included as well. So that's literally every single thing you could possibly want in one place, uh, unless you've bought them all on different platforms like I have, in which case that would be a waste of money. But, you know, that exists. And also, I think Game Parts 3 is finally on Xbox Game Pass. I think that happened a few weeks ago. So if you have Xbox Game Pass, you should do that. You can play it for free if you are subscribed to to that. I think it's like like $10 a month or something. FYI, we're not getting paid by Square Enix to say this. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Um, uh, yeah, and then Kingdom Hearts 3 also won the Excellence in Animation at the 2020 um, SXSW Gaming Awards on Wednesday. So that's really good. A uh, round of applause for Kingdom Hearts 3. Well done, animators. You did super good. And isn't it lovely? It looks so nice. Such a nice looking game. It's very well deserved. I didn't write down what else was up for the award, so I don't know. I think one of them was like Luigi's Mansion 3 and hmm. Death Stranding, which I've heard very mixed things about that game. And in Disney news, Disney Plus is finally available in the UK. That happened this week. So my colleagues who are also under lockdown have been sending me messages like, what are you watching on Disney Plus? And I'm like, I haven't subscribed yet. Basically, I don't know if I will. I probably will at some stage, but I was like, do you know what? There's so many movies that we have on DVD that we've not seen in years that we want to watch. So me and my family have made a big list of movies that we're hoping to rewatch um, while we have nothing better to do. So that's that's the news. Do you have any news at all? Uh, no, I think it's great. You know, animation Kingdom Hearts 3 has always been pretty on point. I think it definitely helped that they had Pixar helping them with uh, giving them animation tips and loaning them their assets and stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I've been watching Disney Plus too for a while. You know, it was it came out in the U.S. earlier, but I've been going through Kim Possible, which is an awesome show. <laughs> so good. I, to be honest, if I was to get it, it would really just like it would just be to watch cartoons, specifically Kim Possible and also Recess and. The Tangled show. I'd really love to watch the Tangled cartoon. It looks super good also. Yeah, I really like the animation for that show. Yeah, it looks lovely. Speaking of Pixar, uh, we actually rewatched Monsters, Inc. the other day, like two nights ago. It's such nice. a good film. I'd like forgotten how good it is. Uh, I guess the other news thing is that because of the whole COVID-19, they released Onward uh, early on uh, digital, mm-hmm. on, on demand. I think they're supposed to release on Disney Plus in like a week or so. Nice. Have you watched it? I haven't seen it yet. I heard it's pretty good. It was. It's not like top tier Pixar is what kind of the consensus, but I, I haven't seen it yet. It, they said it's still decent. It's solid. Have you seen it? Yeah, I, I, I actually, I did watch it in theaters, like just before they were all closed. Yeah, it was like mid-tier level. It was maybe on par with like Finding Dory or something like that. Like, I did enjoy the, some of the world-building elements, but, like, there were a lot of moments where I was like, this could have been done better, or it could have gone a different way, but I don't know. It, yeah. it had heart, and it was cute and funny, so it, it felt very much more like this is made for kids. Yeah, I'll probably check it out once it comes on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And then, is Frozen 2 on Disney+, Plus as well? It is. Oh. But I didn't bother watching that again. <laughs> no, um, yeah, we ended up watching it twice um, in the cinema, and the second time around, I liked it a lot better than the first time. So okay, yeah, uh, I think it's solid. Like there, there are some things that happen that you're like, why? But I do really like most of the songs. I think most of the songs are really good and probably better than the first movie. So that's my hot take. <laughs> yeah, I think I still prefer the first movie. Fair. Yeah, so I think we can head on to chatting about the Remind cutscenes and the Secret Movie spoilers. So I watched them on Everglow's channel on YouTube because I haven't debated the day of battles. Would you like to go first and share your thoughts? I think my only hot take is that I was kind of hoping for a little bit more because so much of Remind was just kind of retreading old ground Mm -hmm. and just adding a few cool new scenes here and there which was fun but i felt like they didn't really answer any of the questions that we were kind of wondering about now i guess i'm sure they'll save it for a future game but it overall i think it was cool i think it was probably better than what we would have gotten before in like a, a a remix versions but I think I was hoping for a little bit more than what, what we finally got. In terms of gameplay, I think the gameplay, I think, was was good. Uh, it was a, a solid addition. But in terms of story, I mean, definitely a lot of fuel for for the YouTube theorists. Oh, yeah. And I almost kind of feel like because of the the YouTube theory culture that there is now, I almost feel like they purposefully write in such a way, not just Kingdom Hearts, but a lot of other video games as well. They purposely leave some things vague enough or open enough so that people will be talking about their properties in the form of YouTube theory videos for an extended period of time in the in the wake of or the absence of the time between the absence of an actual game 
while we're waiting for a new game to come out. Yeah, it definitely just seemed like it was intentionally vague. YouTubers should go have a field day trying to decipher what any of this means. And there are some really interesting theories out there that I noticed. But like, I don't know. I thought it was impressive in terms of the animation. I, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, especially like the sort of night vi version of the final world where you see the stars. Like that's the first thing you see. And I was just like blown away, like mm -hmm. just by that. I was like, wow, this is lovely. It's so nice. Yeah. Also... <laughs> I don't know if I've missed something, but everyone in the comments is like, Yuzora, Yuzora. Is he an actual Final Fantasy character or no? No. So Yuzora is the character from the Toolbox world. Right. I knew I was missing something. I need to go back and like figure that out. Like I was like, oh, he he looks like Riku, but it's not his voice. Yeah. And then at the very end, the credits are like, it's Dylan Sprouse. And I was like, what? It's Dylan Sprouse. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I lost my mind. So maybe just a, a quick refresher so that we kind of are both on the same page. So remember that when you go to the Toolbox world, there's a trailer for a Final Fantasy-esque video game. And that turns out like it's Rex who's watching a trailer. And then when he sees Sora, he tells him that he he's Yozora. And so Rex thinks that Sora is Yozora or the, I guess the correct pronunciation should be Yozora, but everyone pronounced it with American accent. Even me, and I'm not even American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, oh yeah, the gang sees the Yozora uh, Barum Rex video game. When they go to Galaxy Toys, they see the uh, Yozora poster, and they, they comment that it looks a little bit like Sora, but not entirely, and that it also looks kind of like Riku. But Dial explicitly tells Sora mm -hmm. it's not him. So there's a lot of theories as to why. We can get to that in a minute, but there's a lot of theories as to why the characters, or at least Rex, seems to think that Sora is Yozora, even though they really don't look anything alike except for the clothing. I mean, personally, I think he looks far more like Riku, but, you know. Yeah. And then he, Sora even says that in the Torbox role. He says, no, he, he looks... Like Luku, actually. <laughs> so it seems like when they're writing it, they didn't just mean it to be like, oh, it's kind of like Sora, but not really Sora. Like, I think the theories are there's some sort of reason why Rex thinks it, it's Sora, or, I, or why Rex thinks Sora mm -hmm. is Yozora. But at the same time, they're acknowledging the fact that it doesn't make sense. For sure. So... Yeah, it's weird. Uh, so I think for the purpose of someone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, so I'm just going to briefly like recap the whole scene, um, which is the, the secret ending. So basically, what happens is you beat the Limit Cup all the day of battles, and then you go into this cutting scene. So basically, you see uh, these stars, and they're beautiful, and it's the night version of the final world in the base game, which is where... Sora goes to find Kyrie and meets Chirpathy and all those things. So it's basically like a big sky, but it's nighttime. So then he hears someone and he's like, oh, who is that? And you see a person and it kind of looks like Riku, but then it's not his voice. So I was like, oh, he can't possibly be Riku. And it's this Yozora guy. And he somehow knows who Sora is. And they're connected somehow by, he mentions a girl. I don't know who he's talking about. Yeah. So just to fill in the blanks, that girl is one of the stars that Sora talks to in the <gasps> final world. 
on his first visit. Gotcha. So he talks to Namine first, mm-hmm. and then he talks to another unnamed girl, just an unnamed star. And she tells him, uh, so there are a lot of theories as to who that was. Some people thought it was a character from Union Cross. Some people thought it was the girl that, uh, that Axel and uh, Isa said that they were trying to save. But no, it turns out it's, it seems like, and this girl is actually shown in the fake trailer for Verum Rex, has red hair similar to Kyrie, is being sucked up by a vortex. It actually has a star necklace that she's wearing. But she tells Sora that, that they took her name and her identity, something like that. And the only reason that she's still in the final world is because her heart pines for another, is what she says. So we presume that the other person is, is Yozora. Yeah. And she tells Sora that, that Yozora, she, and she tells him his name at the end, but we don't hear it. So it turns out that the name that she told him was Yozora. Mm. But she tells him that Yozora, that his, his heart has been replaced by another's. And then she says, if he were, or that, and that he doesn't remember him, her anymore. And that if he were to remember her, that he would be deeply distressed. The fact that she's gone. Cool. Nice. Okay, so continue. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, oh, we're connected by this girl. And then he takes out his weapon as if he's going to kill Sora. And then suddenly where they're standing in the final world becomes like Sora's heart. It becomes the um, like stained glass window. Uh, yeah, the station, station of Awakening. Yeah. So then that melts away to reveal like a cityscape. But it kind of fades off. There's like... It kind of looks like it's a simulation. It's got that simulation, like it, the digitized, like it's digitizing into existence. Yeah. So it kind of reveals this cityscape. And then basically what happens is like a boss battle between Sora and Yuzora. And there's two things. So like if you lose to him, then there's one cutscene. And if you beat him, there's a different cutscene. So it's pretty yeah, fun. First time. Yeah. So So if you lose to him, he basically like freezes Sora. It's implied to preserve him or something. Yeah, he crystallizes him. Yeah, he he vows to save Sora, and then he wakes up in the back of a car, and they both say, "I've been having these weird thoughts lately." Like, is any of this real or not? Which is crazy because that goes all the way back to Kingdom Hearts One, which makes me it's all like, coming back around. I freaked out. I was like, "This is crazy foreshadowing." And then he he says something like, "None of this makes any sense," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, buddy." Um, so <laughs> so, so that happens. Uh, and then if you beat Yazora, so if you win, he kind of goes like, "I guess my powers aren't needed." Implying that because Sora beat him, he's ready to like embark on whatever is the next stage of his quest without Yuzora's intervention. Um, and he kind of fades away and he sort of gives gives Sora this little smile. But he wakes up in the car again and the dude in front of him is like, Commander, that's impressive, isn't it? And then that's what happens, essentially. So really cryptic, very confusing, many theories. But yeah, so... I'd like to dive right into the theories, unless you got anything else to mention. No, so yeah, it's definitely the biggest like WTH moment uh, in yeah. the, in the sure. series so far. So first off, the place they're in is is Shibuya. Yeah. 
Okay, so backing up a little bit, there's a lot of obvious parallels for those who play Final Fantasy games that people have made between Nomura's previously scrapped project Final Fantasy versus 13. Most people point out today, Nomura has even acknowledged it in interviews. So in Versus 13, that was a game that Nomura was originally the director of, but he was pulled off of that project, and that game ended up becoming Final Fantasy uh, 15, I believe. Mm-hmm. Someone can correct me on the, the numbers. There's too many Final Fantasy games. There's far too many. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be Versus 13. It became Final Fantasy 15 after Nomura left, pulled off the project. But he created the characters and concepts for the game, but the stories and some of the characters changed after he left. But the character that he created as the main character was called Noctis, which is Latin for Night Sky. Coincidentally, Yozora is Japanese for night sky. What? And the word Sora means sky in Japanese, which also has interesting parallels because in the final world, you see a big wide sky. But in the secret movie, Sora is in a night sky version of the final where he meets Yozura, whose name means night sky. Mm. So you could go crazy thinking about what all that means. <laughs> and one of the original trailers for Versus 13 is almost exactly the same as the car scene from either of the secret endings. Oh, really? Whether you lose or whether you win. It's like exactly the same, the same shot, the same framing where Noctis is in the car driving through the city. He's, he's asleep and he's waking up. Sora being crystallized is also a thing in Final, some Final Fantasy games. There's a lot of like deep lore into that. I'm not, I can't, I can't speak to that because I'm, I haven't really played any of those games. No, me neither. <laughs> I'm not familiar with all that lore, but I'm, there's a lot of YouTube videos on that. But that whole crystallizing thing is comes from Final Fantasy, and of course, Yozura is supposed to be from a video game. So Sora, you know, questions like, "Wait, you're you're like you're real? Like you're here?" I didn't think that was was possible. And, oh yeah, so <laughs> the guy who's driving the car, uh, a lot of people have pointed this out, that his voice sounds just like Luxor's voice. Yes. Uh, and if you see him, you, see, you can just see the top of his forehead in the rearview mirror, but a lot of people point out that, it's, that his hairstyle, in so much as what you can see, it looks like Luxor's as well. So I think it's probably pretty obvious that's supposed to be Luxor's. I think so too. I think, yeah, I'm aware of this theory. Did you by any chance watch the same video I did, like Jay Skeleton's video on it? I, I, I'm pretty sure I did, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned that. Um, and I was like, what? Like, I mean, you, you brought up a bunch of things, which I think are all really interesting. Like, because at the start of that video, he talks about the fairy godmother comes in and, and asks Riku about the dreams he's been having and stuff. And so mm -hmm. it kind of implies that the secret ending of Kingdom Hearts 3 was like a dream he had, where mm -hmm. Yazora is watching Riku and Sora like in their dream, which is crazy. And then basically whenever whenever they say, is any of this real or not? Because Yazora and Sora are both saying it like at the same time. It kind of mm -hmm. throws everything up into question. Is the entire Kingdom Hearts universe, as we know it, a dream universe? I don't... Yeah, I have a theory about that. I could probably go ahead and go into that. Please but do. I just, before, I, before I do, I want to point out that in, in the bad ending where you lose, 
It starts off with Sora saying, I've been having these weird thoughts lately, and it ends with Yozora speaking. But in the good ending, it's the other way around. It starts off, I think, with Yozora speaking, but it ends with Sora speaking. I didn't catch that. So, in other words, their lines are, they, they say every other line in that opening from Kingdom Hearts 1. Oh, I thought they both said the whole thing. I think at some point they both, they overlap where they say the same thing. Okay. But I think the, the last part where they say, is any of this for real or not? Uh, that part is either said by Sora or, or Yozora, depending on which ending it is. So I feel like there's some significance to that. I, I don't know what it is yet, but... That's so interesting. Oh man, there's so much to talk about. My head is spinning. But... <laughs> oh no. <laughs> this is why I actually made notes this time. But yeah, so... <sighs> okay. <laughs> so first of all, Luxord is, seems to be from this world. Norma said in an interview, he was asked about why that phrase from the first game pops up again. Uh, and he said that this phrase is the reason why we were able to make these games work in the first place. And then he says, we haven't really got into what that is. He says, I think we're just starting to open the door to what that means. I'm paraphrasing him. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of theories as to what that means. Like, what does it mean? Like, I think that goes up to that theory. Like, is this all a dream? Is it all re none of it actually happening? I don't think that's quite what it means. But here's my thing. So, Yozura exists in a video game mm -hmm. within the world of Kingdom Hearts. Yep. I think that probably Demix will end up being from this world as well. Uh, because he's the only other person we haven't seen yet. The Union Cross story. Oh. And there's been hints that he's supposed to be important as well. So I feel like both Demix and Luxord are originally from Yozura's world. Interesting. So, Yozora is from a video game. Right. My, my question is, when he's saying this, is he maybe waking up to the fact that he is just a video game character? And if you think about it, of course, we are indeed playing a video game in real life. Is it somehow that Sora is like becoming self-aware that he is like a video game character as well? Oh no. It's really like weird. But... That is weird. Yeah, that's some some crazy like gameception going on. And I, and I don't think it necessarily means that it's not like real in in the terms of the lore of the story. Of course it's not real in real life. <laughs> but I think what Nomura may be setting up is this concept of like trying to define a heart in such a way that the person can be real even if they're just a video you know, he set up the idea that, like, nobodies, when they become nobodies, they, they grow back a heart. Or, like, in, in Traverse Town and Dream Job Distance, Joshua recreates his friends with the help of Sora and Riku mm -hmm. based on, like, the fact that if they're seen by another person, somehow that makes them real. Yeah. Like, they can become real people. Yeah, sure. So I feel like he's playing with a lot of those ideas, like, well... Even if you were just a video game character, kind of like with Tron, even if you were just made of data, does that necessarily mean that you're real? Mm. I don't know if maybe that's kind of some of the ideas that he's playing with. Yeah, for sure. It seems like he's got a lot of things up his sleeve, like, yeah, in terms of simulation and because, I mean, there's a lot of 
of that going on already like we've seen in dream drop distance where they go into the kind of you know this virtual space where they have to do the master's exam and so on mm-hmm. and with with like tron and as well and um and with the like the data battles like all these different things mm-hmm. even roxas himself recoded yeah roxas was in a data world there was recoded the whole game takes place in a data world yeah in union cross you know they recreate data versions of the future worlds through the book of prophecies and they also have data battles pvp data battle and so this is part two of my my theory now hit me i think that wreck it ralph is how luxord and demix got into our hero's version of of the world so in union cross if you haven't played it you know there's a five foretellers there was a keyblade war all the keyblade wielders who fought in that war died except for the dandelions who uh, fled the Keyblade War. And yeah. they were appointed five new union leaders by Master Ava. Oh yeah, that's set up in the back cover. Yeah, so some of that is in back cover, but a lot of it they haven't put into cutscene form yet. But it's in Union Cross. And so those new union leaders were Ventus, uh, Marluxia's original person, Lorium, Ephemer, Scald, and Brain. And actually, one of them, there's this whole plot where, like, one of them was supposed to be, there's another one who's supposed to be a leader that was Marluxia's sister, but she end up, ends up getting essentially assassinated by somebody. Um, oh. uh, and there's this, there's this still ongoing story, they haven't finished it yet, about, like, who was it that killed her? And then there's, like, somebody's, somebody's name was not on the list that, got, that Ava gave them. Uh, and that name turns out to be Ventus. But Ventus is not the person who killed her because he actually was not even aware that his name was So it's really weird. There's some crazy stuff going on, but they're setting it up to where somehow Lorium and Ventus at least end up in the future at some point. But while this crazy stuff is going on, they realize that they are actually in a data version of, the, uh, of, Daybreak, of Daybreak Town, that they haven't been in the real version of JBIG. And so the, the reason they realize this is because things start glitching up around them. They start seeing people that, that aren't there. They kind of like appear and disappear, kind of the digital effects transitioning. Yeah. Uh, and while this is happening, these data heartless, similar, a little bit similar to the bugs from Recoded, start appearing. And they follow these heartless and they end up following them into Game Central Station from Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, really? So they end up going to Wreck-It Ralph's world. And I guess the reason why Wreck-It Ralph was able to be connected to the world is because they're in a digital world. So somehow Wreck-It Ralph's world got cross, cross-wired with theirs. Nice. So my theory is because we see Gilzara, uh, Verum Rex is a video game within the toy box world. Mm-hmm. What if Verum Rex is one of those games in Game Central Station that we just haven't seen yet? Oh, I like this. And Luke Sword and Demix end up crossing over from Game Central Station into the Union Crossword. What if King of Hearts 4 involves going to Game Central Station and playing in Sugar Rush? That would be my actual <laughs> dream. <laughs> That'd be nice. You have no idea. You have no idea how much I want Sora to hang out with Penelope. 
That's crazy. I really want that to be true. That would be awesome. Yeah, and I'm surprised. I don't think anybody has so far of all the YouTube theorists, I haven't seen anybody yet make any connection between Wreck-It Ralph and Yozero, which to me, I feel like it's kind of obvious because they're both video game characters within this this world. It did, it did occur to me when you said that he was a video game character. Like, I didn't realize that until, like, we started recording this because I'm dense and forgot, like, all this stuff in Toybox. But, like, I was like, well, surely because you can summon Ralph, then maybe they're connected in that way. I don't know. But um, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, supposedly the reason you can summon Ralph is because Ventus was in Sword's Heart and Ventus had gone to Rickett Ralph's world in the past. Yeah. That's why he was able to summon it. Interesting. Can, can I tell you my theory real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So I am sure that it is um, uh, uh, Luxord. Uh, Luxord? How do you pronounce his name, man? <laughs> supposed to be Luxord. I, Luxord. It, it's been said Luxord for a long time, but they never said his name out loud Luxord. in any of the games until Kingdom Hearts 3. So now they... Apparently, the official pronunciation is Luxord. Luxord. Okay, right. I think I'm like 99% sure it's Luxord because, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure it's him driving the car in the cutscene. Because um, the first start of Remind opens with Zigbar and, and Luxord having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks like that's setting up for something. Like, it looks like they are going to be opposed in some way in the future. Mm-hmm. Because Zigbar's, he's obviously got all these secret intentions connected with the box and the Master of Masters and like all these things. And Luxord is like asking him about it and like, what are your intentions and so on. But he's obviously got his own secrets like that he's concealing. Because Zigbar is like, the real question is, who are you, Luxord? And I like didn't pick up on this until I rewatched it yesterday. But it seems like he's definitely connected to Yuzora and is almost certainly from his world. Because that just like, comes out of nowhere but it's like such a blatant question like who are you like zigbar must know something that we don't at least suspect something so i i thought that was really interesting i just coincidentally happened to watch that again yesterday i was like oh interesting so i don't know if you like remember that scene yeah yeah it definitely makes sense that it's setting up for you to kind of catch the hit that it's luke's word at the end yeah fascinating do we have any other theories? I have another smaller theory, and this is another one that I'm surprised most people haven't picked up on yet, or at least they have many videos about it on YouTube or anything like that. You should make a YouTube video about it. Yeah, I might just <laughs> might just take a clip of this and upload it to YouTube. But um, yeah, so I think that Yozora is actually on the box art for Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, really? At least him in some form. So you remember that the Nameless Star said that his heart has been replaced by another's. So on the box art, you actually see one of the stars from the final world uh, on the box art. But you, you see the star, and then the star is being held by what looks like either a, a Darkling, or at least maybe a statue or a gargoyle of a Darkling, and the Darklings are the Heartless version versions of the old Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. of, the, of, of, the old Keyblade, of the old Keyblade wielders. Right. The ancient Keyblade wielders, if they became Heartless, they would turn into a Darkling. And it's weird that you see a Darkling on the cover art, but you don't see any Darklings in the actual game. 
Kingdom Hearts 3. And also the cover art is actually in Shibuya. So it's, it's like a, a hint at the, uh, the whole Yozora thing. But the Darkling is holding the nameless star. So if that star is the star that was Yozora's love interest, then I think that Darkling is Yozora because he, she says his heart was replaced by another's. So maybe whatever Yozora, you know, whatever happened to Yozora, mm-hmm. it seems pretty clear because he tells Sora, this isn't what I actually look like. Yeah. And he, and he asks him, how do, you, how do you recognize me as Yozora? So I think maybe the real Yozora somehow, maybe something happened to him. Maybe he turned into a heartless. And maybe what we're seeing is, I don't know, he's nobody or something else is going on with that. But it, it's definitely clear that Yozora, something happened to him where he's not, he's not who he was. His appearance changed. So I think that maybe that Darkling that you see in the cover art is whatever's left of the original. That's really cool. I've never noticed that. I mean, I've noticed it on the cover, but like, I did not make that connection. And I, to be honest, I thought it was San Francisco. Like, I didn't realize it was um, Shibuya. Yeah, it's, it's not super clear. But yeah, those are my theories. I love the theories. They are great. And I hope that they are true. That would be really great. Have you ever had a theory, like a Kingdom Hearts theory, and it like, turned out to be correct? Um, not that I can think of, but I haven't really ever like, sat down and like, tried to figure something out as much as I did. Yeah. I'm, I'm not very good at theorizing, i got to be honest. I... <laughs> I, I don't think I am either, but, but this was just so intriguing to me. I just, it's part of why I love the series. Yeah, like there's just so much, so much lore. and. Just super interesting, like, ideas and and things like that. That would be really fun to get into, like, maybe in our next episode. But no, it's cool. And there's, like, an, a whole community, like, because um, I'm on Twitter furiously trying to follow uh, Kingdom Hearts fan accounts and things for the podcast. <laughs> trying to get them to follow me back and, and stuff. And I just stumbled across, like, this entire forum and there's, like, 100,000 people in there, like chatting about kingdom hearts and it's crazy Oof. yeah you definitely need to put something on the the title of this podcast something clickbaity like like wreck it ralph is the key to yazora or something like that <laughs> or it or yazora is on the box art for kingdom hearts 3 yeah love it excellent so we're gonna move on to chatting about a spiritual theme and in this episode we're gonna talk about young xehanort's conversation with the Master of Masters, which happens at the beginning of Remind. And I'd completely forgotten about this, but actually uh, when I rewatched it yesterday, I was like, oh, I remember I remember now um, watching it for the first time, this cutscene, and thinking, we should definitely talk about this because there's like a lot <laughs> involved. <laughs> like the first thing he throws out is the reason for my existence. I'm like, dang. Young Xehanort is getting deep. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just a lot of things that he says that are interesting. And I'm like, when Namor wrote this, is he just like reading the Bible? Like <laughs> that's what it seems like. Um, I don't really know what it starts. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah. What stood out to me is how um I mean I guess this ties into what we had said before about young Zay- or Zaynard's, Master Zaynard's motivation for 
uh, summoning Kingdom Hearts and kind of restarting the whole world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're revealing now that it stems from this world tour that the Master of Masters sent him on. Or I'm not sure if he, if he sent him on it per se, but he went through all the worlds and kind of, I guess, decided what was wrong with the universe. Yeah. Which was the darkness in people's hearts. I, I feel like it's interesting that Nomura set up Xehanor as more of a sympathetic villain where he's not just like, oh, I'm just pure evil because I'm evil. It's more like he had, he had good intentions. He just went about it the wrong way. I feel like that's the way they're trying to portray Xehanor, especially since they're making a game where he's the main character. Yeah. Which is really weird. If you think about it, like, let's make a game where the primary villain throughout the entire series so far is actually the protagonist and the hero uh, in this new game. I, make it, I guess it's a little bit Star Wars-ish. <laughs> so I guess Star Wars did it before that. No, I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, and I think the difference here is that in Star Wars, like it's clear that like Anakin at some point shifts and turns to the dark side. But I feel like with Xehanort, there was never like a single moment where he was like went from like good to evil or went from light to darkness. I feel like it was a uh, more of a gradual a gradual thing. Yeah. But I guess if there, if there was a singular moment it would have been that conversation with the master of masters. Even in this conversation everything that he's saying makes sense. Like he's talking about all around the world people live seemingly peaceful lives and they believe themselves to be moral and virtuous but it's all an act. And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, like that, that, that is what people do. <laughs> um, you know, people just go around and they pretend like they're good people. Or, I mean, a lot of people are, but or they do it just for show or like it's some kind of farce. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, like his cynicism doesn't come from, from a place of like everyone's terrible, but it's, it's more like he just sees through people for what they are, for better mm-hmm. or worse. Um, but I don't necessarily think he's wrong. Yeah. So, Biblically, we would say that he's not wrong. No. That, that people as a whole, they say, I'm a good person. But the Bible says that our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can know them? Yeah. And, you know, this is what Jesus says to the rich young ruler. I was just about to say this. <laughs> yeah. When the rich man went up to Jesus and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, why do you call me good? Nobody's good except God. Yeah. And he says, well, you know the commandments. And he's like, yeah, I've kept, I've kept the law since my youth. And he said, okay, good. So just go sell all your things to the poor and come follow me. And this is the man went away sad because he had lots of possessions. Yeah. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that if you're rich, all you have to do is sell all your stuff and give it to the poor and then you'll go to heaven. What he was revealing to this guy was that this guy was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a good person. And he's like, all right, why? Well, because I kept the law. He's oh, you kept the law then. So then since you are so good at keeping the law, it should be real easy for you to just do this and then come follow me. Mm. But he was showing the guy that he had not kept the law. He wasn't as morally upright and perfect as he thought he was. And I feel like that's what young Zaynor is getting at. Yeah. Is that people put up a facade of being morally virtuous. But in reality, it's it's... He, he calls it weakness. I feel like that's a very Japanese kind of view <laughs> of morality in terms of strength and weakness. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would completely agree with that, but if by weakness he means just flat out sin, then yeah. Yeah, it's it's so interesting um, that he's like picking up on this, and he also he kind of alludes to like a certain lust for power that people have, you know, and he talks about like that's how people become tainted mm-hmm. by the darkness, um, and people carry delusions of having power, but it's a lie. It's really interesting because I think in our society that is how we see darkness encroaching in just every corner of our of our daily lives is is people looking. Mm-hmm you know, seeking after power in some way. And he kind of, he talks about that as well, as that's a, a corrupting kind of force um, in the world. And I don't know who it is that he's referring to exactly when he says that, but I, I, I found that interesting. I was like, ooh. Um, and then he even says, but they are, they are but sheep pretending to be wolves. And it's like, mm-hmm. well... Matthew 7.15 talks about the false prophets who came to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, I can't talk, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Yeah. Well, actually, I think he says the opposite. He says that they're wolves, no, they're... They're sheep. Oh, yeah, because the sheep pretend to be wolves, so that's the opposite of what the Bible says. Yeah, it's the opposite of what the Bible says, so I'm I'm, I'm sure sure that's where Namara got this idea, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's where the phrase comes from, wolf in sheep's clothing. But I mean, I think he's smart enough to know that that it does come from the Bible. I'm sure. I'm ninety percent sure that's where he got this this idea from. So, so I wonder, like, what he's meaning in terms of this, because because it talks because just before this, he's talking about people having delusions of power. They're like sheep pretending to be wolves, and so I guess by that he's implying that that they're kind of lost, like sheep are. But they're pretending to be powerful. I don't know. I don't really understand. Yeah, he. I think he kind of flips. I think he kind of flips the virtue of sheep and wolves, where the wolf is seen as more of a virtue in in terms of strength, and the sheep is seen as as a vice because it's weak. And that kind of ties back into what we talked about last time. Mm. The, the whole, the whole wise versus foolish thing. Xehanort sees power as a virtue and sees weakness as a vice. But in reality, God uses the weak things of the world to shame the wise and powerful. Yeah, because I guess he's not saying that having power, he kind of talks about how it is corruptive, that's how people become tainted, tainted by the darkness. But then he talks about how they have these delusions of power and it's a lie. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like he's saying like they they can never achieve true power because they're just sheep like they are just weak yeah. and he's like but I'm an actual wolf or whatever like I can achieve real power and I'm the one that's like going after this yeah so I think that's kind of where he falls where he falls short is that he thinks that he's the one to kind of take the reins and fix everything uh, but he's really he's usurping the position of God. God's solution was not to just destroy everything and start over, although he did in the flood, but he also provided a way of escape. So he provided the, a boat to save people. I think that's what Xehanort missed, is that he, had, he didn't really have any compassion no. on the world. He just wanted to, to fix everything and make it right. But as Christians, we believe that God is both fully just and fully loving and merciful. 
And, and if you think about that, you think about justice and forgiveness, those are two opposite things that shouldn't really be able to go together. So how can you be perfectly just and perfectly forgiving at the same time? Logically, it's impossible, at least on a service level. But the way that God is able to do that is through the sacrifice on the cross. So that perfect justice is met in Christ through his death. And perfect love and forgiveness is demonstrated in that those who put their trust in him, salvation, receive forgiveness of sin. Yeah. And I think, like, in the story of the Bible as well, like, there's the creation and then the fall and then the redemption mm-hmm. and ultimately the restoration. So ultimately the next stage, like like after Jesus' second coming, like, I don't know, because <laughs> I'm not a theologian, but from what I understand from scripture, the Bible kind of makes it clear that, that God is going to restore everything, not even to its former glory, but surpass that glory. It's not like destroy everything and start again, but it's like a complete like a restoration and complete wholeness. I think that is as well like what Xanar is missing is in his like ultimate plan is he's missing that like restoration factor. And I guess that's kind of where like Sora comes in is he's like, no, like this isn't the way. Yeah. And I guess Sora really even more kind of represents that Christ like figure. So yeah, I think that's all all thoughts that I had. Did you have anything more to add? Uh, yeah. Um, so the Master of Masters says this really interesting line. He talks about the truth is what you see with your eyes and not what you hear. Mm. I don't know like if you got anything from that, but I thought that was really interesting. It's He's kind of talking about, like, it's not what you hear, but it's what you see. So I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not sure what that means. But he's kind of talking in terms of his identity because he's like, oh, I could be this or I could be that. Mm-hmm whenever young Xehanort kind of asks him like who he really is and then he's like it's, the truth isn't what you see or no it is what you see it's not what you hear and i'm like okay so i guess i don't know i i guess that, i guess that's an interesting application is like we should be people who like what you see is what you get i suppose we're not like hypocritical in that sense i don't know that i could be reaching but i thought that was interesting it's just a kind of interesting throwaway line. He may be trying to get at something behind the lore of who he is, like, because he tells him his name, but he also says that truth is what you see and not hear. Mm. So it may be like he's trying to tell him, like, I might not be who I'm telling you I am. I think there's a lot of mystery behind the Master of Masters, but if there's any, like, moral meaning behind it, you know, it's definitely not entirely biblical no (laughs) because you know of course the bible says that faith comes by hearing and i think it's a common misconception that that faith is is blind i feel like a lot of people think that but the faith that the apostles had was definitely based on things that they saw yeah Um, they saw jesus with their own eyes they saw him raised from the dead absolutely but i don't think that seeing alone is good enough to convince people because a lot of other people saw Jesus rise from the dead and they didn't, they still didn't believe in him. They saw him do miracles and they still didn't. Like a lot of people say like, oh, if, if God would just show himself to me, it'd be, I, I would believe. 
Mm. I don't think that's true. I think that even if he showed himself to you, you would still find some sort of excuse to not believe him and trust him. You would say, well, how do I know that, that, that this is God? How do I know it's not aliens? How do I know I'm not in the matrix? Or they might say, okay, well, it is God, but I just don't like what he says, so I don't, I don't want to listen to him. Exactly, like, because faith isn't just about, oh, yeah, I can't, like, it, it's not about hearing, it's about doing. The wise man who built his house on the rock is the one who heard the words of Jesus and actually did it, as opposed to the other guy who's like, yeah, I heard it, I'm not going to listen. So, anyway, that was a tangent. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was good. Cool. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. But yeah, this has been Kingdom Minds. My name is Karis. And I'm David. Also, our theme song was written by Josh Reed, and our logo was designed by David and also colored by my brother, Sam. You can find him in the show notes. And uh, let us know if you have any thoughts, comments about our theories, about analysis just send us a you can send us a message we'd love to read it on the podcast and just comment let us know your thoughts yeah until next time see you then mm-hmm.